Well, hello. Welcome to the Cibolo Creek Conversations podcast. I'm Paul Wilson, and I'm here with our esteemed host, Wyatt Marchant. How are you? Thank you. Yeah, doing well. Doing well. You nailed that intro. I did. I nailed it. Yeah. By the way, if you listened last week, he said he was going to start it. I reminded him seconds before what just happened occurred. <laughs> he had forgotten. I had forgotten. Totally blanked on it. <clears throat> well, you did good. Well, thank you. Oh, I'll probably turn those privileges back over to you. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of nailed it. I just don't think about it, and normally that helps a lot. Oh, okay. Yeah. But but anyways, we are. this is a Zibble Creek Conversations podcast, and just to jump right in, I suppose, we've been going through questions from Q&A Sunday. Right. Last week, we covered, um, well, we've covered studying the Bible, and last week we covered baptism and predestination. Just predestination, just a little small topic of some interest to people. Yeah, well, we, we, we supplied the answer to it all. So oh, did we? Yeah, okay. I think we figured it out. <laughs> Probably. Yeah, God, God just decided to share that part with just you and I. <laughs> Got a glimpse into his otherness. Exactly. But, but today we're covering um, a topic that is not surprising, and I think you, you answered some of this uh, actually on Q&A Sunday, but there were a lot of questions around um, parenting, in, in particular, like Christians who are parenting in this um, increasingly crazy and confusing world that yeah. we have. Yeah. And, and so a lot of parents are just kind of feeling um, kind of at a loss to know what to do and how, to, um, what, how they should react to it or how they should ready their kids. I think that's a lot of it, how they should ready their kids yeah. uh, to go and, and be you know, be prepared to go and face this stuff. And used to, I think, even for like my generation, that was a worry whenever they went off to college. Um, just because mm. there's a whole bunch of different people from a whole bunch of different places all coming to one place. Yeah. Um, the, the, there were some among us who would say that there are particular theories that, uh, that a lot of colleges probably have that are, end up being a little bit more strongly pronounced than others. And so that was a worry then. But now, um, there's a lot of parents who I think are rightly so worried about that, even in um, elementary, high school, and so on. Right. And so it's kind of expanded. That worry is expanded, uh, unfortunately. But, but I, I suppose do you do you kind of see that as being something that's reasonable to worry about, um, or are these parents kind of the news can maybe make things seem a little blown out of proportion. Well, certainly the news can make things seem a bit. Um, more extreme because that's kind of the nature of news these days is yeah it's kind of a sensational um, approach to information as a way to engage listeners and essentially sell products so yeah there is that but I don't I don't want to diminish that there is a lot that's happening in our society and our culture that has parents very very concerned about helping their children navigate the days in which they live. And what's interesting is it's, it is hard. It's hard for a parent to know how to help or assist their child in navigating what they're encountering. Um, it's very complex. It's highly nuanced. It comes with some very extreme kinds of dangers to the welfare of their children based on how their child navigates these situations. But 
what makes it even more complex is that it's not just hard for children to know how to navigate all of these things. Most adults don't know how to navigate these things. And that's not because they're, they're ignorant or uninvolved. I mean, I'm talking intelligent, engaged, um, curious, uh, um, aware people who just don't know how, how do I do it? And then, you know, to think about helping their 13-year-old, their 14-year-old, their 8-year-old um, be able to have conversations and approach topics that are just so multi-layered in complexity that, yeah, mom and dad don't even really know how to do it. And then to try to have an influence on in their kids, it's, my heart goes out to parents that are in that situation. It's really hard. Especially, too, like, I, I know that I'm a unique individual, and I also don't have kids right now, obviously. Um, well, not, I guess it's not obvious, but um, <laughs> I also have more time on my – what I'm trying to say is I have more time on my hands than a family who has a you know full-time yeah. job with kids and all that stuff. And so um, I have the time and the desire, just because I'm – incredibly disagreeable uh, to go and, and read up on this stuff and learn what the heck these things are. Right. And I know that a lot of parents don't have that kind of time and they probably don't have that kind of desire regardless if that's an excuse or not. The time is hard and they didn't think that they were going to have to all of a sudden start to teach their children and themselves how to uh, defend against or justify or keep themselves safe from or even just lovingly uh, exist alongside of some yeah. of these different things. Um, and so I don't, yeah, I mean, it, it's really tough. And and it's unfortunate that parents are having to do that kind of thing um, on top of everything else they're already handling. Yeah, so you're exactly right. You, you, have, you have an interest in these things. Yeah. You have a mind for these things. It's, um, it's kind of how you're wired. And so... You, you naturally move toward a discovery about these things. And then you're, you're newly married. You don't, like you said, you don't have children. Um, your job provides you the flexibility. So you got time to read. You got time to listen to podcasts and other learning, you know, resources. You have time, you have time to just sit and think. Well, and I think it's almost like part of my job to, Yes. Not fully, but like part of my job to know these things. Exactly. And so, yeah, you have a benefit that many other people don't, not because they're uninterested. Yeah. But they have a whole different distribution of time and energy. Yeah. And so um, it's, it's even more challenging when you're in that situation and trying to figure out how you as an adult – are you as a as a Christian are going to navigate some of what you're encountering, and then to and that's confusing and hard and mm-hmm. all sorts of dilemmas with it, and then to know, you know, and be aware of all that your child's encountering through school, through entertainment, through friendships, through a host of other influences in their life. It's it's really really hard. Yeah, yeah. So. So I'm going to kind of just go into this conversation as both someone, I'm just pointing this out because I think it's important. Obviously I don't have kids, so I'm not going to speak like a parent, right. but I 
I am, I, I was in student ministry and I also am on all of the different apps and, and I know a lot of the different uh, ideas and things that people are learning and teaching. And so I'll just go into it from, from that perspective while sure. asking you to kind of go into it from a parenting way. Um, and obviously the other ways too, but, but what, so let's just kind of start at the bottom. What right. if, if someone is a follower of Jesus and they have children, what is the parent's role in the discipleship or in, in, in the spiritual formation of that, of that kid? Yeah. So two ways I'd answer that. Um, Bible speaks of children as being a gift from the Lord. So God's granting you this enormous privilege of raising a child. And then I believe that raising a child fits under the heading of a stewardship, something that God's entrusted to your care to take responsibility for. And essentially, I mean, the whole theme of stewardship is that I take care of something on God's behalf, and then someday I have to return it to him. Like, here's what I did with what you entrusted to my care. And um, I think children are one of those stewardships of, of many. And um, so I would say, in many ways, the discipleship, the spiritual formation of your children is the number one highest priority in your life. Now, we live in a society that would say, no, your number one highest priority is... Um, your job, your career, you know, yeah. making money and providing for your family. Um, I would say that for a married couple, their number one highest priority is first their marriage and secondly their children. Um, again, in a context where my highest ultimate priority is my relationship with Jesus Christ. Yeah. But when you think about, you know, what seems obvious to most parents about what they do to assist their child in this experience of growing up. You know, you teach them how to, um, you know, brush their teeth and eat the right foods and get some exercise and study and, um, you know, all the things that you, you know, we just assume this is, uh, this is part of what I do. I think there's, there's nothing of any of that that's, as important as teaching your child an understanding of who God is, the nature of his desire to have a relationship with them through faith in Jesus Christ, and the importance of honoring God's place and God's design in the life of that child. And I think parents will be held responsible for that. Now, does that mean the parent has to have that all figured out? No, I don't believe that at all. I think one um, there's resources like the church, a church family, that they can make use of, not in place of their influence, but as a, a support and an assist uh, to what it is that they're trying to do. And I, I think that the beauty of a parent's relationship with their child is that you show the child the truth. There's an authenticity about what you're modeling, and the modeling is mommy and daddy don't always get it right. Mommy and daddy don't always know the answers, but I can model for my children what it looks like to be the authentic, the humble, the learning parent, or the really the authentic, humble, learning 
person as a way of modeling for their child, this is what a Christ follower does when he doesn't know what to do. Or this is what a Christ follower does when he, you know, makes the wrong choice. This is what a Christ follower does to sort of protect and, you know, um, order their life in a way that best fits God's design. I'm always going to come back to the primary responsibility of discipling a child rest on their parents. So it, it puts a burden of responsibility back on the parents not to completely farm that out. Yeah. Or secondly, not to completely neglect it and think, well, that's not important to me. I'll let them figure it out for themselves. I, I think that's a really, really lousy approach to stewardship. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> I guess one note, having come from student ministry, and this is not about any student, any parent or student in particular, but even whenever I was in student my student ministry myself, I know uh, a lot of parents simply drop them off and say, "This is your job, student pastor. Go for it." Yeah, and but they're not involved in it at all. In the same way they do at school, they just drop them off at different places, and I guess cross their fingers to a certain degree. Oh, um, yeah. and well, and that's kind of the thing is like. <laughs> I think that a lot of the church, the Christian parents across the nation, everywhere, um, have been kind of just dropping them off, crossing their fingers, supposing that everything's going to be okay. Well, and now it's kind of coming out that it's not, which is why everybody's worried. Um, but so you definitely don't think that one should just objecate that responsibility to the student pastor. Then, no. Again, I, I or would kids. Uh, no, I would. Again, I would say that your youth pastor, your children's ministry leaders, um, the adults who are involved as volunteers in the life of your kids through their church, they can be a support. They offer and assist. They provide opportunities, but it's not a substitute for what you as a parent are responsible to do. And when, when you're simply just dropping them off, you're essentially declaring yourself to be unengaged and I like the phrase you're using, that you use, they're just crossing their fingers. Well, the raising of a child is not a crossing your fingers kind of adventure. Yeah. Because the the risk and the dangers are just too great. And again, I'm going to go back to this kind of the stewardship theme is that ultimately we will stand before God and give an account for our approach to how we took care of what God entrusted to us as a stewardship. And I don't think the explanation, well, I just, I just hope for the best because it wasn't important to me, but I let them figure it out. I I just don't think that's going to fly. Yeah. Yeah. I can't stand them. Well, they'll figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. That that's so reckless because for so many factors, um, one, children are developing, and they just don't have the, the maturity, the intellectual wherewithal, the, the necessary wisdom at you know, a young age to be able to sort things out well. They're, I mean, it's just inevitable that because of their immaturity and because of their limited knowledge and experience, they're, they're not always going to make the right choice. Well, Without any guidance, those poor choices can be really devastating um, 
both in the immediate as well as over the long term. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, it's, it's complicated in the sense that you get so many, you get so many parents who have their own levels of brokenness and dysfunction. They didn't grow up with good role models to know how to do it. Nobody ever has to take a class in parenting, but you can become, you know, a parent. And so, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it, it, you know, it's complicated, certainly. But um, if I, you know, if I can use my voice in any way to speak into the life of parents, one of the messages I'm declaring is get engaged. Yeah, it, It's your responsibility. Um, use the resources that are available, but they can't be a substitute for, for your place in that whole process. Yeah, I was having a conversation with a friend last night, and he was just talking about, like, he was giving a lot of exceptions and a lot of gray area for, like, in this scenario. You're, you're kind of making the case, and I agree with you, that it's very, very clear that a, that a parent should be engaged. It is good for them to be engaged and involved in the primary steward of the spiritual life of their children, and that's pretty black and white. But there's all these other gray areas, and, and that gray area really just means difficulty of doing what you should do. <laughs> right. And so it's like, it's the, the, it, there is not confusion upon the choice. There's difficulty involved in doing the right thing. Um, and that is not to shame, because no. everything involves difficulty in doing the right thing, which exactly. is why we always fail. Right. Um, but, so, so to those parents who are kind of worried about this, and, and, and the, one of the questions specifically kind of named the culture and the educational system, um, and, and how are we supposed to kind of navigate all of that and just kind of some of the the difficulties and, and the worrying things we've learned maybe over the past, you know, a few years. Um, how's a Christian parent supposed to navigate that whenever they're there all day long um, and they only really, I mean, they see their parents less than they see their teachers, you know? Right. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I think the only answer that I that I know off the top of my head is the parent has to do the kind of due diligence to be aware, mm. um, to look at what their child, children are reading, uh, to look at the nature of the assignments they're given, to be actively aware of who these teachers are and what their um, approach to teaching looks like. Um, to be aware of issues facing the school board or, you know, issues coming up in the school district, uh, a parent needs to be aware. And it, I'm not saying it's easy. I'm, I'm, I'm saying, yeah, it's really, really hard. But um, it's about making choices of what's going to be your highest priority. And if your highest priority seems that you always have the time and the energy to golf <laughs> or your time and your energy to, you know, do a hundred different things, or you have the time and energy to make sure your kid gets to the, you know, the baseball tournament yeah, and you spend your whole weekend there, but you don't take any of the effort to really figure out what's going on at school. Who are their friends? Who are their friends' parents? Uh, you're just kind of lazy about that. I, I'd say there's some, tragically misplaced priorities going mm. on there. So, you know, whatever can be done to be aware of what your child's being exposed to. Um, 
And sometimes what that means is parents have to be the bad guy. Mm. They have to say, no, we're not going to watch that television show, although every other kid at school is watching it. Or, no, you can't be on um, this social media or this video game for that long. I'm not saying you can't, but we're going to control it. It's just not going to be this you know, endless access to all that stuff. Um, I'm going to be involved in that I know who and what, who you're talking to and what you're talking about. And again, that's really unpopular, but, you know, sometimes being a parent is not about being your kid's best friend. It's about being your kid's parent. Yeah. And taking the responsibility of providing, you know, guidance and even boundaries in the life of your child. Because it's better that he learns that or she learns that sort of role um, and benefit from it at, a, at the earliest age possible rather than to learn the opposite the hard way years later. So um, I'm, I'm not saying that every parent has to sit on the school, the school board or the PTA or, you know, the, the, not saying they have to be immersed in everything about their school. I'm just saying you have to do the diligence of being aware. Yeah. And one of the ways to do that, and this is my wife was really, really good at this, um, much better at it than I was, is my wife, she didn't miss the opportunity. And, and she worked full time. She didn't miss the opportunity to be a volunteer in the life of our, you know, kids when they were in elementary school. Or uh, both my boys were in the band in, in high school. My wife was in the band. I mean, she was one of the adult volunteers, and she happens to be a music teacher, so she was actually involved in, in helping, you know, the, the guys and gals that played flute because that's what she does. And, I mean, she, was, she went on the trips with them. She was involved. And in that process, she's getting to know who our son's friends were who our son's friends' parents were, who their teachers were, who who their administrators and principals were. And so it, it just kind of gives you an access, allows you a little bit of, a, you know, fingers on the pulse of what your kids are surrounded by. Again, I understand not every parent can do that, but you should seize as many opportunities as possible to be engaged in as many ways as you can so that you are aware. Yeah. Yeah, I would even say, like, I think elementary school is whenever you do, like, meet the teacher, your homeroom teacher. I think they still do that. Yeah. That alone, if you know, I guess, some signs that you should be like, eh, that's odd. <laughs> that alone can be very telling, even just by the posters on the wall, you know, things like that. Yeah. Um, things that they say. But then also just kind of like, even if, you're just glancing at homework or you're glancing at, you know, what assignments they have to do and how they're having to talk. Um, if they're being instructed to say certain things or say it a certain way, um, it doesn't take a whole, it doesn't take a long time to pick up on things. If you have an idea of what you're looking for, I guess, does that make sense? Yeah. So that's, that's a matter of a parent being somewhat equipped yeah, to do it. A little bit, yeah. It's also, I mean, when you come down to it, it's a lot, about the parent caring enough yeah, start to be aware, yeah. you know, if, if, and again, I'm 
trying to be sensitive to all the dynamics and dilemmas of it. But, you know, if the parent leaves the house at six in the morning to get to the office and, and they don't get home till seven o'clock in the evening and they're exhausted. And so their general attitude is get your homework done. I don't care. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, I'm exhausted. I can't engage. And, and the kid in many ways is on their own. Um, that, that's then what you're saying is I don't care enough about what's happening in the life of my kid. My job's that much more important. Mm -hmm. And I I just think that's a lousy recipe for um, hoping that 10 years from now, your kid's going to turn out right. Yeah. Because like you said, they spent that your children during the school year spend far more time at school than they do with mom and dad. And then if, most of their time at home is occupied with you know, video games and social media and, and other forms of entertainment. Mom and dad have very little input in the lives of their children. And I just think, one, we're paying huge dividends for a generation that essentially parented in that way. Yeah. I think a really big part of it, so I guess two things. First, before we get too far away from it, you mentioned how sometimes the parent might have to be the bad guy and how it is good if the parent sets uh, guidelines and kind of some guardrails and guidance uh, for what that child does and doesn't do, but also possibly even like thinks and doesn't think um, not that you can control one's thoughts, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so that is that, I mean, that statement alone is going against the grain of a lot of what uh, there's a lot of messaging out there that, that, the exact opposite of that, right? That the kid knows for himself um, or herself, um, and that the parent should just help to foster the, the creativity and 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 self expression, self expression of yeah. that child. Because well, that idea is that the world is just a place where you come and you start acting in, and everybody should just foster one's role. Yeah, right. Well, that's not. It's not what I don't think it's the picture the Bible gives us or the any history. Well, gives it's us. not the truth. No, it's not the truth. It's go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Well, I was just gonna say like, like how much, and I know it's it's by case by case scenario, but like so, me for instance, like there's there's no way that I would that I would allow my kid. Granted, once they get older, it's a little bit different, but I would allow my kid to to me knowingly allow them to go to a place um, where I know that person's teaching them something that goes against what I've tried to teach them. Now, I'm not saying that that's every school. I'm just saying if I yeah. know that, like, that teacher or whatever, I w- I, there's no way that I would, and I know it's hard, but, like, I couldn't justify that to myself. Sure. Well, how much do, do parents justify? How much do they compromise? Um, and then is it unloving? Because I think another question would be, like, well, you just despise that, you know, that teacher or whatever that yeah. much that you would pull your kid out. You're trying to shame us. Um, no, but I'll deal with you. But my kid is not going to deal with you, right? right? So how much? Do, how much do we justify? How do how do how do parents kind of weigh that? And I know it's case by case, but just kind of maybe give some thoughts on that. Um. Well, I I don't th- I don't think a parent can be too involved or yeah. 
or take too much of an effort. Um, they don't have to become, you know, aggressive. They don't have to be, you know, some sort of vigilante for all things truth and justice. Um, they don't have to be obnoxious. They don't have to be disrespectful or inconsiderate. But they shouldn't be shy, and they shouldn't shy away from the concerns that they may have about the welfare of their kids. It's just too important. And so I think what a parent does, if a parent senses concerns, then I think the first approach is um, what do I have to say to that teacher or that coach or, you know, whoever the influence might be? What, what, what's my responsibility to speak honestly with them and uh, see where we can come to understanding about the role in the life of their child? Or what avenues do I have by way of, you know, administration to voice my concerns or my complaints or criticisms about something? So you utilize the tools that are available. And if you don't feel like there's proper resolution that allows you to feel comfortable sending your children to school under that particular um, person's influence, then you have to look at more drastic action like, do I need to change classrooms? Do I need to change schools? Do do I need to... um, do something on my own to provide for the education of my child because it's more than just you know reading writing and arithmetic it's it's about the morality it's about the ethics it's about the the understanding of truth that your child is developing under the influence of their school experience mm-hmm. and if you have a if you as a parent are genuinely concerned and have reason for concern then part of your responsibility is to get engaged in trying to secure the best situation possible for the well-being of your child that's good i I think that's good advice so now let's take that let's say that didn't take place and a child comes and is saying some really wacky stuff about themselves things they believe yeah, whatever it may be, and this is maybe before they go off to college. Um, ha- should parents um, hope they just grow out of it? Um, and now, of course, like I know, I'm not saying that a parent needs to be like, no, 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 like yeah. you can't be all up in their grill because guess what? Those people then go to college and they lose their mind. <laughs> um, seen it happen a thousand times. <laughs> but yeah, freshman year is rough for a lot of people. But. Um, <laughs> How much should how much should the parent allow there, or should they uh, really try to lovingly but but firmly guide their child back and tell them, "Hey, you're wrong about that." Like, is it bad to say you're wrong about a thing? Well, that that question gets answered based on the age of the child, yeah, where they are in order in in regards to their capacity to approach the topic. But I think from the earliest age. Um, the best thing parents can do is cultivate the permission to talk about the oddest, weirdest, strangest, most difficult things. Because it does two things. It says um, it gives permission to talk about them, and it communicates it's safe to talk to me about those things. Um, So really, from the time a child's 
I mean, just early, it could be a part of the bedtime routine about reading to your kids and, and having a conversation with them that you develop. You can talk to mommy, you can talk to daddy about anything. Yeah. And if they learn that at four, three, four, five, then, and if it's cultivated and continues to be nurtured, rather, it doesn't get neglected between five and 12, but you continue to foster this rapport, this trust, this safety for your child to bring anything to you, then what you have is you have a family that that it's safe to talk about the hard things, the weird things, the things that don't make sense. In fact, what you do is you build the trust that your children actually think you might have something to Some offer insight. them. Yeah, they'll yeah. ask rather than say, yeah, they'll ask. Or whatever. And then, you know, when weird, odd, unconventional things come up, Rather than the parent, you know, reacting like, oh, my gosh, how did you get here? How do you think these things or, you know, the no, 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 we don't believe that in this house and you will not. No, you have to have a conversation. You have to talk. Well, well, tell me what you're thinking. Tell me why you think that. Tell me where you came up with that. Like, And I'm talking about being genuinely curious, not manipulating yeah. the situation to wait till you have your chance to plow through them. I, I mean, like a genuine concern. Well, that's interesting. Tell me more about why you think that. Um, that sort of come from curiosity. It's safe to talk about things that you might think I might not agree with. That just goes a long way to creating a climate and a culture in the family to where you have input. Because when if you shut the kid down because it's no, 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 we don't believe those things and you don't talk about those things here, or you communicate some sort of a penalty for somebody thinking outside of the box of you know, your family's um, beliefs, then basically what you have, you, you spoil the trust and they're not going to talk to you about anything. Yeah. And so then you don't have any chance. And not only do you not have a chance to speak into their life, probably what you do is you create a lot of resentment towards you to where they, they go looking other places and a lot of times out of spite. Yeah. So they go and they find the weirdest stuff and they accept and adopt and applaud that because some of it is, this is hard for people to realize, but some of that is, well, I'm just, I'm just getting back at my parents for how they didn't really provide me a safe place to talk about these things. So now I'm going to just annoy them by believing the most absurd stuff, living the most absurd ways. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's really good. And, and I mean, then that goes for I think the reason that we know that's true is like, it, well, if you treat your kid like their voice is actually heard and not just like you said, plowed through or shoved off to the side, it's the same with just other people too. Yeah. Right? It's like, yeah. Um, and, and, and you can also, like, if you, what I think is really important is if you give your child a foundation to which they can kind of approach the world. And so that's why, that's what makes those conversations much easier, too, is if you're listening to your kid, well, you can, you can then point them back to a common belief that you both have because you've instilled these values in them. Right. And so um, maybe what kind of goes into, building that foundation. Now you could have mentioned some is like, well, you lead by example and um, you're intentional about their spiritual life. Maybe like, what are some practical things maybe for young parents or, um, you know, 
they could still have that influence or soon to be parents, whatever it may be. Um, if I understand your question, some practical things. Yeah. Um, when your kid is playing video games, get involved, play with them. Um, that makes you very aware of how they're encountering that experience and what they're encountering. Uh, when your kid watches television or a movie, watch it with them. And then talk to them about it. If, if you see something that, like, oh, man, I don't know if I'm really comfortable with that. Well, engage your children in a discussion about it. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I, I do not want in any way to portray myself as the accomplished parent. My wife could run circles around me <laughs> when it came to parenting. She was so aware, so involved, uh, so genuinely interested. Um, but I had this thing that whenever my boys and I were watching television, and particularly commercials, um, even when they were just kiddos, like six, seven, eight, I would ask them the question, what's that commercial selling you? And it was a game. And, you know, at first they were like, oh, that they're selling me soda. They're selling a car. They're selling a house, you know, whatever the commercial was about. I go, no, no, what are they selling you? And eventually my boys became very conversant with me about, well, they're selling you this idea that if you drink that stuff, you'll be really popular. Mm. Or if you um, live that kind of life, you'll be successful. And I'd say, is that true? And so we, we just have these conversations about kind of the, the nature of advertising. So it's, it's, it's really fun how aware my kids are, my two sons are about that kind of stuff. Again, it's one small example of something that I found to be very helpful. Um, when, you know, I, when my oldest son was in the sixth grade, that's when Facebook started. And I had read things about this Facebook thing. I, I didn't know anything about it. I'm, I'm a late adopter when it comes to technology, and I was still trying to figure out what apps were. And, but I had read some things about Facebook, and a lot of those concerns were out of what I guess was MySpace at one time and some of the ways that it kind of devolved into a lousy place for kids to be hanging out. And so there was concerns that was this new thing called Facebook, and it'll be kind of that same thing. So I got onto Facebook partly out of an interest in knowing what my son was encountering in it. I, I wasn't trying to snoop. I wasn't you know, trying to be in his business, but I wanted to be aware, how does it get used? How how was he using it? Um, the, the, the people who created it, how were they endeavoring to use it in the life of my, my kid? And so um, I think those, those can be some really practical ways. Um, maybe on the flip side, again, I'm always going to go back. The most important thing that a parent can do in the life of their child is model for them the kind of life they want their children to live. Mm-hmm. And so you can model for your child uh, your spiritual interest, your spiritual priorities by um, 
we go to church. This is a priority as an expression of, of worship, uh, the input of God's word in our life. Uh, this is a good thing, and I model it by not being resentful that we have to do it. I get to do it. It's how I'm going to lead this home. Um, but that, that can also be you, work, you know, one night a week or two nights a week when we sit down for dinner. Um, when we, when everybody's done eating, we're going to, you know, we're going to read a passage of scripture. We're going to read a story out of a, of a book that is about spiritual things or, I mean, there's so many creative tools that, um, remember there was like a little deck of cards that you could buy. Mm-hmm. It's these little cards and you pull it out and it has a question about something to do with the Bible, something to do about spiritual life. It was just a way for a family to generate conversation Mm -hmm. and it doesn't have to last three hours it's like we're going to finish dinner and for 20 minutes we want to sit here and all of us are going to answer this question as a way of modeling a discussion about spiritual things is normal in our home it we want it to be normal and we're inviting people into it so those are you know being engaged in what they're engaged in um being purposeful about the opportunity to have spiritual influence in their life, modeling your own spiritual journey so that your kids can see it, modeling it with authenticity. When you fail, when you lose your temper, when you act um, in a way that allows the example, one of the most powerful things you could do is sit down with your kids and admit, honestly, hey, daddy dropped the ball. I, I did not handle that situation well. I lost my temper. One, I'm sorry. And two, here's why I, I did that. And here's how I'm uh, endeavoring not to do it again. That, that, that's the authentic sort of modeling that children need because it teaches them that they're going to fail and there's a way to sort of address that. And it teaches them that um, apologizing and taking responsibility and being accountable are healthy ways that, that Christians live. But yeah. if parents try to act like I got it all figured out and uh, it was obvious that I did was wrong, but I'm not going to own up to it, it, it just teaches kids lousy things. Yeah. I think one one point that maybe I would, I've seen is that a, a lot of this stuff that's dangerous out there, um, things that just kind of, whether they're dangerous, but they at least are counter to what the Christian faith and, and the God's word espouses is a lot of it preys on the weakness of one's own identity. So when somebody's trying to find identity and if they aren't sure in their own, then they're more susceptible to right. different ideas. And so I, I, I would say like, however, the more that a parent can instill who that kid is first and foremost in uh, to God how God sees them, who God's made them to be, but then also <clears throat> who that who that kid is to you as the parent. Right. It's going to be so much more difficult for that child to go into something and be like, "Well, that that is not how God sees me." So something has to be wrong there. Something yeah. uh, more questioning. Um, if, the, if a child who's secure in their identity is is, is just so much less susceptible to to going down these paths. And so I would say just anything you can to help secure oh, that in them and yeah. instill it in them 
make it to where they do not doubt your love for them, God's love for them. Um, really, really do that. Yeah, no, I, that's a great, great point. And look at that. You're not even a parent. Tell um, you that, no, that's, that's so important um, that your child understands your love for them. They understand their importance to you. They understand that they're safe to fail, that they won't be penalized yeah. for honest mistakes. goes a long way to creating a certain sense of security and a certain sense of here's who I am. So I don't have to go looking for the approval, the affirmation of another set of people. Because mm-hmm. that one place that's the most central to my life, home, I'm, I'm being affirmed to be the important, valuable person that I am. I'm going to totally butcher this quote or this concept, but I've always loved it, is uh, something along the lines of, dads, teach your daughters what it's like to be treated well Mm -hmm. so that when she meets young men and becomes interested in them, she'll recognize the ones who's worth her time because they will treat her like dad treated her. Well, I think the same is true with just in general is moms and dads treat your children in such a way that they recognize then when something's distorted or inconsistent or um, dangerous to them because it's inconsistent with how mom and dad talk to me, treat me, um, value me. Um, So, yeah, you're exactly right. That's so, so important. It, it, it reminded me of Jesus' claim. He's like, you know, whoever drinks from the well of life will never be thirsty again, essentially, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, it makes so, much, it makes so much sense. It's like if you're making sure that you're doing everything you can to make sure that y- your kid's not thirsty, well, they aren't going to go begging for yeah. water from somebody else. And it's yeah. like for myself, <clears throat> um, my parents didn't do everything amazing, and I kind of found faith a little bit on my own. Um, at least like a stronger, more identified one. Right. But I knew who I was and I wasn't searching for anything. So I didn't feel bad being like, no, I don't really think so. Um, Because I wasn't needing that person to like me. Like at the end of the day, I I wish that they would, but I'm not going to compromise everything just for that. Right. And I mean, not to say I didn't make my own mistakes, but much less than I would have had I been searching and figuring myself out man like yeah um yeah the the search for peer approval is just a a big cry out loud cry for the fact that affirmation and value is missing at at home yeah um yeah i, I was thinking about th- there's a story when again going back to my experience um, my oldest son, when he was just a kid, probably like, I'm saying, fifth or sixth grade, we had a rule in our house. They could play video games. They had a, a they had a, an allotment of time, and there were certain ratings of games that they weren't allowed to play. And I don't know what they are today, but at the time there was a T rating, so it was a teenage rated game, and he wasn't a teenager, so. 
he wasn't allowed to play T-rated games. So um, we lived in a neighborhood that had a whole bunch of kids his age. It was great. And um, one day my son and a bunch of the neighborhood boys were all up at one of the other boys' house. Just hanging out, you know, not making trouble, playing basketball or whatever. Went inside and uh, started playing video games. And some of the kids were older, and they pulled out a T-rated game. Well, my son hadn't been gone that long, and so he comes back to the house, and we, we just noted the fact that he came back much earlier than we anticipated. And so I can't remember if it was me or my wife. We, we said, is everything okay? Did something happen? He goes, no. Well, why are you home so early? And he said, oh, they started playing T-rated games. And we just, we just celebrated the fact that um, the approval of those young boys, as close of friends as they were, um, was not so important to him that he couldn't make a wise decision. And so he honored the rules of our house and, and left the situation. And I, I like to think that he felt that there was a certain confidence in what his parents were teaching him about what he could and couldn't do at that point in his life, that he felt safe in it, he felt confident in it, he made a difficult choice to you know walk away from all your peers. And he, it wasn't a big scene or anything, he just you know made up an excuse he had to come home. But um, that, that means the world to a parent when you see your child like, they're getting it, you know, they're listening, they're hearing, they're understanding. But that doesn't happen with a lecture. That happens because you're cultivating an environment in your home to where you can talk about those things, model those things, work your way through those things, the mistakes, the failures, the recovery, and to where a point where they start utilizing that sort of framework for how they make their own decisions. Yeah, because that's like... They either understand why the rules in place, which is less likely, or they at least respect y'all in a way that even whenever you're not looking, they'll make, still make that choice. And it's not out of fear because yeah. fear keeps the kid there because they're like, well, no one's going to find out. Right. Uh, not that fear is all bad, right? No. Um, at all. But, <clears throat> but anyways, yeah, they respect you enough to, to leave whether they understand the rule or not. Because um, they're a kid, the likelihood of them understanding it. And, and that respect that you're talking about isn't because you're always the heavy. Yeah. They respect you because there's been such ample doses of love and support and affirmation and affection to where they understand my mom and dad just want the best for me. Yeah, it's the exact same thing. We always rail. A lot of people always say, well, look, Christianity just tells me how much of things I can't do. And it's like, well, you're not understanding what the rule is for then. Yeah. It's like God's not saying, well, this, 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 this. He can also be saying that, but it's really don't hurt yourself by doing this. Don't hurt yep. yourself by doing this. Don't hurt yourself yep. by doing this. Yeah. You made me think of a message I heard. It's been three or four years ago. And the guy was, he used those exact, those exact words. He was saying, most people hear the Ten Commandments, commandments as thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not. And he said, I encourage you to read it as don't hurt yourself. Mm -hmm. Here's why I'm asking you not to lie. 
because you'll hurt yourself. Here's why I'm asking you not to covet, because you'll hurt yourself. And that's just, just a great reframing of God's intentions, a better framing of God's intentions in light of the Ten Commandments. And, you know, the Ten Commandments, they fit within the context of a, a contractual contractual arrangement that God's making with people. It was a covenant, and so it had this very kind of stern language to it. But the heart behind it, the intentions of it was, Israel, I'm just, I'm providing a structure to keep you safe. I'm providing a structure for you to truly enjoy the life that you will have if you live in obedience and respect to the designs. And unfortunately, that doesn't always get preached that way, or most people don't understand the nature of the Ten Commandments from that respect. And so it sounds like, you know, pointing a finger in the face saying, don't, don't, don't. And the whole time it's just God saying, I just didn't want you to get hurt. This is funny, the people that complain about that, I'm like, well, why don't you justify it then? <laughs> Murder, can't justify that one. Anyway, it's like, please, please justify these things. Don't just complain about them. But anyways, okay, well, I think you did actually answer this one, uh, the one about encouraging parents who have um, kids that maybe have left their faith as a young adult. You did answer that on Q&A Sunday, so you can, I invite you to either go watch that episode on YouTube, or if you have some something you want to share about it right now, feel free. Yeah, I'll, I'll tend to it a little bit here. Um it is. It, it's hard and it's heartbreaking. It doesn't matter. You can be the best parents in the yeah. world and done have done all the right things from the time they were the youngest. And there's going to be situations and circumstances that lead to a child who's going to go another way, going to have different thoughts, come to different conclusions about beliefs, um, any number of reasons for personality to um, how they're wired when it comes to intellect, to the friends that they run with. Any number of scenarios can create kind of the exception to the rule as far as making the investment in them with the hope that they'll stay true to their foundation. Um, and, and, you know, I've been a pastor for 35 years, and, and I've known parents who were outstanding parents. I'm talking engaged an intentional, prayerful, spiritually, you know, hearted about the welfare of their kids, not in a legalistic or, you know, authoritarian kind of way. Um, and their kids still went a different direction. That happens. Um, Isn't that, that pernicious too? It's like the parent does this. Then it pays for them to go to college. <laughs> And they just paid for their kid to walk away from their faith. <laughs> yeah, there's there's some interesting dynamics. To Don't even that. get me started. <laughs> I won't even get started on that one, but good. Okay, we're not going to get you started. But <laughs> it happens, and then it's not necessarily always a reflection on the parent. By absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Sometimes a child just goes on their own journey yeah. for a number of different reasons. And that doesn't mean that the parent failed and it doesn't mean that the parent um can't continue to speak into the life of their children encourage them in the in the right ways provide an example for them to follow because here's what happens is they may walk 
you know, quote unquote, walk away when they're 16, 17, yeah. 18, 20. And they may find themselves coming back to it all because they see its value and worth when they're 35. Especially for those parents who were engaged, like those parents you were just discussing, it's like the likelihood of them coming back after they go through their figuring themselves out phase. Yeah. Um, which is a phrase that young people like to use, which is dumb. <laughs> um, but <clears throat> the likelihood is much higher that they do because they're actually smart. They're just playing dumb. Mm. Yeah. Wise. They're actually wise. They're just playing dumb. Well, but that's interesting how you said that. I'm, I'm sitting here thinking about playing dumb or genuinely curious about other things and they go exploring it. Uh, yeah, that's one in ten. <laughs> I, I know, like, the people uh, that, like, that is occurring to are people that, like, I, they're my age. Right. Most of them know... They don't care. Okay. It's a, we'll all get serious later on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, like, I, I, playing dumb sounds harsh, okay? <laughs> but that's uh, your way. <laughs> kind of, but I mean, like, that. I think that they would even admit, like, I'm just having fun, man. I'm just figuring myself yeah. out, which is what that means, by the way. Yeah. For most people. But, yes, there are some that are genuinely confused, and there are some that are genuinely um, curious, too. Right. Even I do have explored different ideas. Sure. Um, but, but, yeah, and so, yeah, I agree with you, but... I say don't give them, don't, don't, don't give them, but don't give them too much room to get out of like what is an obvious eh, kind of sure. decisions. No, I, I would agree.